Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,190. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Guess what? Today I'm in Reno, Nevada with a very special guest by the name of Phil McDougal. Phil, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We're going to have some fun here. Now, before I introduce you, and we talk about this wonderful museum you're in charge of, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Phil? You know, I, I thought about that, and, and I think that the number one thing would probably surprise people is that I was an exchange student, and uh, I, I used to think my parents didn't like me too much because <laughs> uh, they would send me places, and I'd say, boy, what's what's going on? But uh, I had the chance to do exchange student in Japan and then one in Europe, and looking back, that was probably one of the best experiences I could have ever had. You know, I'll bet that did really enlighten and change your life. Our kids, when they were in school, uh, got to do some studies abroad. And and, uh, in one case, I'll share real quickly, my son went to South Africa and was part of a group that he created in his school to raise money to build and provide bicycles to very rural uh, villagers. I mean, these are people that live in huts with dirt floors, so they could get from their village into town to sell their goods and make enough money. And the bikes were also used by their children to get to school. Because if they walked to school, sometimes they had to walk through an area where there were lions that would attack them. And my son came back from that particular one. He also went to, uh, where did he go? He went to um, Poland and did some studies there. But he said he came back from Africa with a whole new perspective on the world. And I would imagine that's what happened to you, right? It absolutely did. I have such a greater appreciation, and I still keep in touch with my host families. But we take a grant. We take for granted a lot of things here, and it really, at a very young age, opened my eyes not only for all the things we have here in the United States, but just the appreciation for different cultures, how they respect their elders, um, how they communicate, gestures, and, and just it was really refreshing, and uh, it just gave me a different perspective. Yeah, it's too bad that uh, more people can't do it. I know it's expensive and uh, for some people to do or schools can't afford it, whatever. But yeah, I always tell people, if you have a chance to travel anywhere, take that opportunity because the world is a big place and there's a lot of different people. But one thing that I think most people discover is deep down inside, we're kind of all the same. We just want safety and food and shelter for our families and we want a chance to do things in the world and you know, I think we're kind of all the same. It's just too bad that uh, the little windows we see through the news and social media paint a different picture. So uh, travel when you can, right? I couldn't agree more. Take out all the distractions, all the political elements, all the other things. We just want to make sure we, our health, our family, and uh, most of those things are common throughout the world. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing we're going to talk about today, of course, this is cars, yeah, is cars. And I've learned that cars are a great catalyst for bringing people of all different sectors of life together. So let me give Phil a proper introduction here. Phil McDougall serves as the President Executive Director of the National Automobile 
Museum. Named one of America's top 10 automobile museums, the National Automobile Museum showcases more than 225 rare one-of-a-kind orphan, antique, and collector cars. It features over 105,000 square feet of galleries, exhibits, vibrant street scenes, and accompanying artifacts. Phil has enjoyed over 25 years of experience in marketing sales campaigns. His professional sports, electronics, and travel industries are just a few of the sectors he worked in. Phil's involvement in community development programs includes creating a summer concert series to coordinating the largest delegation of business, civic, and political representatives on the West Coast. Quite a diverse background, my friend. Phil serves on several nonprofit boards, including the Cordera International Film Festival. He also serves as the National Director of Conference for the annual FBI National Leadership Conference. We're going to have an interesting talk today. We'll be back, but first a word from our sponsors. So sit tight and we'll be right back. I've enjoyed the quality and variety of Lloyd's floor mats for decades now, and I'm super excited to report that Lloyd's Mat Store is now part of the Covercraft family of products, car care that protects the things that move you. Lloyd's floor mats are the ultimate in quality and fit with carpet mats, all-weather mats, velour techs, Berber, classic loop carpet, and they're proudly made in the USA. They're designed and sewn with the highest of quality and offer custom fitment for almost any vehicle. There's a wide variety of styles, fabrics, and colors to choose from, and hundreds of licensed logos as well. Protect your vehicle's factory carpets from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, slush, anything that Mother Nature can throw your way. All of your options are quality made, easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Check out Lloyd's Mat Store for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for your vehicle today. And I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, C-A-R-S-Y-E-A-H, at lloydsmatstore.com, you'll get $10 off. Just use the code CARSYEAH at L-L-O-Y-D. M-A-T-S-S-T-O-R-E.com, Lloyd'sMatStore.com, Covercraft and Lloyd's Mats, protecting the things that move you. Fall is here, and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek, and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail-order catalog company grew into a multi-website-based e-commerce store, and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled 
are stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Phil, we are back. So let's talk about this wonderful museum. Now, my long-term listeners will remember I had a past director there from the museum, Jackie Frady, on the show. This was several years ago. You're the new guy in town here. So I'd love for you to talk about your interpretation and what the museum is all about, a little bit about the history, because there's a very interesting history, and we'll get down into some of the details in just a minute. But the National Automobile Museum, what's it all about? Well, I'm going to break it up into at least two buckets here for you. One is the ha- the, the past and the history. For those you aren't familiar with it, Bill Hera, big casinos here. Uh, he started off the collection with 1,400 automobiles, and he was he was here in the Sparks area. And when he passed... Uh, that collection went to a couple different people, but the bottom line is, at the end, before it all got sold off, people in the town said, listen, we cannot sell all these automobiles off. They got together and they created the museum. Now, I just condensed like eight years into yes, 10 seconds. you did. But- That's a big story there, isn't there? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an amazing story. What he accomplished in his lifetime and his passion for automobiles uh, and his collection was unequal. But he was an icon here in town. But when he passed, uh, the collection was going to be sold off. Community leaders got involved and said, no, we got to keep it here. The short version is we, we got about 125 of those automobiles and the community leaders made a deal to start a new museum. Now, I just condensed that into really short period of time, but we are, like you mentioned, about 105,000 square feet, an amazing collection of automobiles, Uh, but not just that. The street scenes, movie theater, outdoor patio, outdoor bar, we have a lot for everybody. Yeah, it's amazing. I'll tell you, when I was a kid, I grew up in Southern California, and we went up to go skiing up in Tahoe, and I remember going to Hera Collection when he was still around, and just as a little kid who loved cars, just walking through there with my eyes wide open. But you guys have come a long way, baby, as they say. And uh, I want you to talk a little bit about the variety, perhaps, of the different kinds of cars, because the setting is very unique. It's different. And you've got kind of the best of the best there. And Bill Harrow, oh my gosh, that guy knew how to collect cars, didn't he? Uh, He had the funds through his casinos to buy the best of the best. And he accumulated a collection of cars that has almost been unrivaled throughout history. So kind of give us a little bit of a brief walk through the museum and the different categories of cars that you have there. Well, I'm a real visual person, so I'm going to try and do my best because when people come in, the biggest thing I hear is, oh, that's the old museum with the old Model Ts. And, you know, they lose track of the big picture. What I'm about to share is just so much more. You walk in the front door and we have the very first automobile in four galleries and all the way down to like Elvis's Cadillac or the 10th Tesla ever off the lot. So, I mean, it is from the very beginning to 
the most recent technology shows the evolution of the automobiles. It has a backdrop with the clothing that people wore at the time. Uh, we have decor and, and one section is, you know, you walk into a gallery, it looks like a big blacksmith shop and it takes you back in time. The very first car, you do one street over and it's almost like Disneyland. You'll have a, a facade and you'll see the roaring 30s and the, the gangster cars and the marquee and the old movie theater facades down one. You turn to the right, and your deck, like on uh, Bonanza, I'm dating myself, the Old West, the general store. But it's got all that kind of t- with the sidewalks, and people are blown away when they turn around the corner. And then uh, the 50, 60 Street, you know, Leave it to Beaver Street, again, dating myself with this uh, gas station that's in here with the pumps. So you could turn around, and you're back in time at least three or four different increments, and you literally open your eyes, and you go, I'm on the set of Back to the Future. Now I'm in the Western town. So it's got that kind of diversity. Well, this is what makes that museum so much fun because sometimes you go to a car museum and it's just cars and a big kind of shallow building. And, you know, it's like, well, the cars are neat, but adding all the pieces and the elements to the history, because when you think about the motor car, it changed the world and definitely changed the United States and all these different periods. And we're going through a new revolution in the automotive sector right now with the very fast onset of EVs. I've never seen things happening so fast and changing so fast in the automotive sector. Have you? No, I, I have not as well. And and just to illustrate that point, at the museum, within 100 paces, you're literally going to see the very first car all the way down to like the Tesla. I mean, you could take a walk down in, in 100 paces and see the very first one and get a snapshot of how much that technology has changed and evolved over the last couple hundred years. Now, one of the great things about the National Automobile Museum is that you have more than just displays of cars there. You do a lot of different programs. So walk us through some of the things you've done this year. That's the thing I think we're most proud of because truly we do do a whole bunch of things that surprise people. So we have book signings. Uh, We partner with all the nonprofits because most nonprofits in the area don't have the the means to have events, to display things, or do other you know, type of events like book signings themselves or film debuts. So books, signings, film debuts. We do meet and greets. And I'm ranging from uh, Monster Jam truck drivers coming in here last week to authors, actors that come in. They do pilot shows here. And we love it because when people come in to uh, do all this, it's just an added value to our guests. You never know if you're going to see a movie set. Like next weekend, you're going to see a movie set being done. You're going to see actors walking by. You're going to see Monster Jam people. You might see people in full character. They're um, from the arts world. Uh, We have all the artists come in. We have a podcast studio that people are constantly being interviewed in. So there's something new almost every day. Very cool. I love it. And your website, people can just go to your website and see what's coming up so they know if they're going to be in town or they want to come specifically for an event. Everything's listed there? Yes, and we just launched a new website about three weeks ago, automuseum.org, and we list everything up. And literally, our team is kind of going crazy with me because I want something new every two weeks. And I, that's the stretch, especially in the museum world. But but every two weeks, we used to do one event a year, a three-day event. Now we do three a month. Wow. Yeah, that new guy, Phil, he's got us all hopping around here. So that's a good thing. We want to stay visible. Well, of course. And, you know, that's the thing with museums. You've got to do that because once somebody local goes, like, well, unless you have something new, why do I go back? So uh, you got to keep people coming through the door. Now, I'd love to talk to you about what I call our driving inspirations. These are people that have been highly influential mentors 
mentors perhaps in your life. I've learned after interviewing over 2,000 people here that most people that are successful in the world have somebody in their life like this. Many people have lots of people. Is there somebody in your life like that you'd like to share? There is. And if you had asked me this 10 years ago, I would have thought this is not someone influential. This is like my arch enemy. But he ended up turning in to be one of the most influential people I ever had. Wow. Uh, I used to work in the NBA for many years with the Sacramento Kings. I had another vice president of uh, services there. And oh, my Lord, we were arch enemies at one point. I just couldn't get along with this person until he offered the first olive branch and said, listen, this is the reason that I have some challenges. You know, it it was just different styles. All this person wanted to do was be informed for of some things, a little bit more detailed for me, and I was just trying to go 100 miles an hour. And the minute I took his advice and said, listen, put yourself in my shoes. Uh, This is what's important. Understand my particular style, and I'll meet you in the middle. Uh, Fast forward, he became my mentor, one of my closest friends, and uh, amazing, amazing man that I reach out to quite often still. You know, this is a wonderful story, and it's an even better golden nugget that you dropped for us here because many, you know, we all work with people that are a challenge. This could be a client, could be a coworker, could be a family member. And lots of times the divide, the wedge just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because neither of you are willing to budge. And uh, let me ask you this that might help a listener out there that's in this situation. How I mean, you kind of mentioned it there, this person that was a challenge, a nemesis, or, you know, uh, uh, someone that really frustrated you, the approach that person took that enabled you two to become friends and him a mentor, could you go into that maybe just a little bit more so that somebody out there that's faced with this is trying to figure out how do I get over this? How do we work together better? Could take that advice and give it a shot? As basic as this is going to sound, this is when the light bulb went off because I was going 100 miles an hour and I was excited. We're in a fast-paced industry. He sat me down and I all my defenses were up, completely up. And he goes, Phil, I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me the top two or three things that are important to you. And I shared what they were. I want to be creative. I want to be innovator. I want to move fast. And he goes, okay. He goes, those aren't in my top 100, but I realize you're your top three. He goes, you want to know what mine are? He goes, I want to be a good communicator. I want to be a good teammate. And I want to be able to support the organization overall. He says, might not be in your top three, but he goes, if you just remember my top three, when you're making your decisions to implement a plan or to send a message out to notify the team or whatever it might be, if you just take a second to affect, to, to think how that might affect me, I think we're going to meet halfway. And it took nothing more than just keeping him in the loop on his particular things that are important to him. And it literally changed overnight. And we laughed about it like a month later going, oh, my Lord, you know, I was having bad thoughts about you. (laughs) He was having the same about me, but it was, it completely changed. You know, (laughs) what a simple solution. It, you know, it it reminds me of something my grandfather told me and my, some of my listeners will remember this. Uh, My grandparents were married for almost 70 years and I asked him when I got married, I said, what's the secret to a long, happy marriage? And my, my grandpa said, well, that's easy. Just do everything she tells you. And my grandmother <laughs> jabbed him and said, don't lie to the boy, Bill. And, and he said, no, seriously, what you have to do is you have to 
expect to give more than you get back. And that's a little bit of what I just heard from you. This this person in your life told you what was important to him and asked you what's important to you. And I'm thinking if any two people that are together that are having a conflict both did that, they could probably overcome anything, I'm guessing. They could. Most people just dig in. I think, unfortunately, you dig in. You're set in your ways, and it's it's not a big lift just to take a second and think back. This is what the person told me is important to him. Whether I agree it's in my wheelhouse or not, I need to be respectful. And then it, it, the relationship completely changed after that. That's a wonderful story. Wow. What a great lesson. You dropped a great one for us. We'll take a short break. Thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to talk to you about a challenge. And I know you have a very diverse background in history and how you landed in the role you landed in, I think is going to raise some eyebrows and and surprise some people here today because a lot of people go, what a dream job. All the car fanatics, you get to be around these cool cars. So keep that thought in mind. We'll take a quick pit stop and we'll be right back. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars, yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or Type in Renew 12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to LinkageMag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, Will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives, The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, Phil, let's talk about this, the challenge question. Now, you and I had a nice little pre-show chat, and I asked you a little bit about your background because as I introduced you, and I just... I just took the icing off the top of the cake. That is your career. You've had a very diverse, different background than most museum directors have had. And I think some people would go, 
how did you get this job? So walk us through the challenges and the, what's happened in your career path because you've had some big pivots. Yeah, it's really three different unique buckets. And when people look at my resume, they literally pause and go, this doesn't seem right. But I, I started off and my whole goal, I finished college over in England. I mentioned I did ex- exchange students. So my whole purpose was to be international relations, get involved in government. I did internships and state and local senators and Congress people. And, and uh, I got a short taste. And I said, no, no, that, that's not for me. Uh, I was given uh, an opportunity, literally, it's a whole story in itself, calling from a payphone right after I got married here in front of a Sam's, just cold calling for jobs. And I got an opportunity to be a marketing uh, manager in the semiconductor industry to start up company. Um, and I did that and I loved it for about 12 years. And that was product manager. I traveled around the world and it was very specific, semiconductors, computer chips, right. very black and white, clean rooms and all that. Uh, and then the third part of it was I literally was driving by Arco Arena in Sacramento, and I always loved sports, and I just loved with all my heart, passion, and, and the competitiveness. And I I just went and said, I'm going to go ahead and just apply for this job. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit older, and I put my resume in, and uh, about four months later, they told me after all the interviews, uh, thank you very much. It's down to you, one other person. And we went with the other person. Mm, wow. And I was heartbroken, but yeah. they called me back a month later and said, I'd like you to consider this. And be- literally, I said, I really can't talk right now. I'll give you a call right back. And I hung up the phone and I drove there and it was in the lobby when he, and <laughs> there said, I'm you here go. to finish the conversation. <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> so very different, but loved yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and that leads us up to where you are now, because we spoke and you said, you know, when I came into the position I'm in now, I did not have the background with museums nor even with the automotive sector, but somehow all of these different pieces of my life came together to allow me to do a great job where I am now. So I want you to kind of share how that happened. Well, I, I relocated to the Reno area with my family and I uh, I wanted to make sure that wherever I stayed, I was going to be there and retire. Uh, But the long story short is that I have always had a passion for cars and automobiles. Uh, The museum was one that I visited right when I got here. They approached me uh, saying that they saw me at one of the things I was doing here in town. Um, But to to your point, I didn't have any, say, car experience or museum experience, very limited. Uh, But what I did have was marketing and sales and membership experience and I put on events and all those things the museum had to offer. Uh, they brought me in for an interview and a really short interview process, uh, 12 and a half months later, <laughs> yeah, 12 months. <laughs> I was, I was offered the job and, uh, I just pinched myself every day because I couldn't be more grateful. Wow. Well, you've got some tenacity in you. I have a feeling uh, that helps, right? That bulldogginess. It, it was, uh, the biggest thing was the board was very open to, I mean, museums and any other businesses. You have to stay visible. You have to change. Otherwise, you won't stay alive. Yeah. So I guess some of the things that I proposed from the outside looking in, uh, they they thought had some potential and they gave me a chance to do it. And since then, we've been we've been going 100 miles an hour since I got here. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. Great story. Well, I do like to talk to people about 
some passion they have for cars because this is cars, yeah. And even if people aren't diehard car people, cars play a very vital part in our lives. They have for a long time. They change the world, really, in so many different ways. So I'd love for you to share maybe one special vehicle story that you have. Could be a car you've had or it could be a maybe a relationship you formed with a car in the museum. I don't know. Uh, so take us on a little ride. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, for, first of all, most people, including myself, as we get up there in age, we're, we're very forgetful. But I always ask this to a lot of people. It's a good icebreaker. Uh, I go, tell me what your first car was. Yeah. Even if the relationship is really, you know, I don't know them or kind of staunch or you know, whatever, they open up immediately because it takes them back in time. Almost everybody remembers their first car. Yeah. So, uh, that's what I would go back to the independency. I, I, I had a Fiat. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts originally. And, uh, you know, you get about four months there. They're not in snow or cold or sleet. <laughs> yeah. So Fiat wasn't, you know, the best, uh, best choice, but my first car was a Fiat. Uh, I loved it. It was the best thing. It gave me independence. Uh, and, uh, looking back, I was, you know, going too fast and did all the things I shouldn't have been in there. But it was that independence that came with that first automobile and all the other memories with it that stand out to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. A Fiat in Boston. Oh, my gosh. The the, the acronym Fix It Again, Tony, kind of comes to play <laughs> there with – with. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Well, yeah, that, that, that well, I probably was on the road just as much as it wasn't off the road. But the caveat was, and I didn't care – I could see right through to the floor, to the <laughs> yeah, ground. Yeah. It was so rusted out with this there. But again, I could care less if it was duct tape. It got me to where I wanted to be, and, and I had a little independence. So uh, that was my first car and, and probably shouldn't have been driving it. It wasn't safe. <laughs> Great story. I love it. So I'm going to be your car psychologist here. It's a little game I play with all my guests. I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit. And since you have been around cars now for a little while working at the museum, uh, I would assume you've maybe formed a little bit of a, a concept around cars you like don't like and how they relate to you if you were reincarnated pun intended manifest as a vehicle now this isn't what you want to be this is how you perceive the man in the mirror who you really are deep down inside what kind of car would you be and why well see i'm glad you put that not who i want to be but who (laughs) i think i am yes because what i want to be is something different but what i really think i am is like there's a scout here it's a truck uh-huh. And I, I think I'm a, um, you know, I'm someone who just pilot on. Let me get as much as I can. I'll take on the load. I'll go up the hill. You can all jump on, and we'll do this together. But I, I'm more of a pickup guy or a scout guy who uh, doesn't matter. You got to throw whatever you can in the back of the trunk. Any kind of work or projects, we'll take it on, and we'll do our best to get it, to get it accomplished. Uh, I think that kind of, you know, roll up your sleeves, just get it kind of going get it done got a guy well i think that kind of makes sense having gotten to know you a little bit better today uh most certainly and you know the great thing about that is those have kind of come back in flavor if you will like the bronco or the k5 blazer or the fj um so you're kind of coming back in style a little bit i think (laughs) it's we took it out and we put it in the warehouse where we did some renovations i had more emails some people or people walking by mad that the scout wasn't there they they you know it, it's something a lot of people just it stands out in a crowd and takes them back in time and it's just a beautiful automobile well the interesting thing to me about the scout too uh international harvester scout we're talking about right 
Yeah. That car was around from like 60, 61 to 1980. It was kind of like one of the first, well, it was a two-door, but SUVs, if you think about it, before SUVs were popular. I mean, now everybody's driving an SUV. So again, it's kind of come back into style. So that's a good thing for you, Phil, to be back in style. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's hope for me yet then. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. Well, I like to ask about how people like to give back. And I mentioned in your introduction that you've been involved in a lot of different sectors of giving back. Uh, You've worked with the Cordillera International Film Festival. Uh, You put together, while you're part of this uh, National Director of Conference for the annual FBI National Leadership Conference. I mean, it sounds like to me, civic and political, maybe uh, helping communities. Has that been a big part of your life? It always has been. You know, I mentioned earlier, you did in my intro, community concerts. You know, I, I, I'm maybe it's a little bit of back east. Uh, maybe it's just a little bit of the small town I grew up in. But when people don't know their neighbors um, or when you get to know your neighbors and you get to know other people, other cultures, a lot of the problems I think people have in this world can kind of go away. You get a better understanding of who your lead, your team, your family, your friends are. Um, so anything I can do to kind of bid, bridge that gap, it just it's important to me. Exchange students are important to me to help build that. But those kind of things just make the place a little bit easier, we're a little bit easier to get by day by day. And we're doing that here at the museum. We're inviting nonprofits down, a lot of different organizations that, that make a difference in the world. And some of the different things I just, you just referenced to the, the FBI National Leadership Conference that I, I did that one for two years. Um, that was just an extension of that. There's so many things going on in this world that the average Joe doesn't know what's going on in their backyard. Some scary things. And if you just create a little bit of awareness, it, it just makes things a little easier for everybody, I think. Well, if you know your neighbor a little bit more than just the guy that drives the truck, uh, you're more likely to help him out if he's in need, right? And he's more likely to help you. And it doesn't take much. I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of people here that don't know their neighbors, don't know who's across the street. And, you know, I, I love that that picture I used to see. It was three or four bicycles in the front yard, and it says, this is our old... Uh, Facebook, our old social media, because that's how they used to get together. And now it's just not the same. And I'd love to bring a little bit of that back. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. It's real important. You know, I like to promote books here, and I've had hundreds of authors on the show. Love books here at Cars. Yeah. Is there a book you'd like to uh, suggest people crack open and read and enjoy? Well, it's a a unique one. It's called Against All Odds. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's a particular automobile here called the Thomas Flyer that won the race around the world. And uh, if you want to take a trip back in time and talk about true heroes and the impact, uh, it's just amazing what these people did, these drivers that were all part of this project. And it celebrates its 115th year of winning the, the race around the world. So that one stands out to me. You know, when you said that, I was at first I was thinking it was the book about World War II and survival, but this is a different book. Well, a little bit of survival, yeah, but it's just literally the story about most of the world. For the very first time, the first time they saw a car was this car called the Thomas Flyer, and it just changed the way people think. And uh, these were true heroes that did this race around the world, and it was it's 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 good reading. Yeah, that book, um, I think I even have a copy of that book. My library's gotten a little too big. But uh, um, yeah, I think the subtitle was like The Great New York to Paris Automobile Race of 1908. Yes. Yeah. 
You're yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Great book. You know, there is another one with the same title that's actually about World War II and some amazing things that people had to overcome. So that's at first I thought that's what you're talking about. But yeah, that's a great book, too. We'll make sure I put a link to that and how you get your hands on one of those on Phil's show notes page. We have a great place here on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where there's, gosh, there's over 2,500 books listed there uh, for you to get, and I made it real easy for you to click to buy. So, Phil, today I'm going to be your benefactor. I am going to have some fun. You're going to have some fun, actually, at my expense. I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway. You can take it anywhere in the world, and you can go with anybody, even somebody who's no longer with us, somebody from the past. So if you want to bring along Henry Ford or Bill Hera or whomever, you can do that. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Now, you're going to laugh about this, but uh, I'm going to date myself. I think I was born way too late. I'm going to say I would like to be in Elvis's pink Cadillac (laughs) with him driving me down the street and uh, telling me stories. You know, I'll tell you something funny. Just this week, I've had an interview with somebody who answered that question the same, and it's the first time out of 2,190 people, I've had two people now say Elvis. Wow. I wonder if this has something to do with, the, well, the fact that you guys have an Elvis car there, but also that movie just came out about Elvis, which I just watched last week, and it's it's a very different film than what I thought it was going to be. I think it was a little bit more telling of how he was kind of used by his manager, but also that he was the genius Elvis himself, uh, you know, behind what he became and, and who he's become. And I mean, he's, he's still, everybody knows Elvis, right? Everybody does. I had the pleasure of knowing uh, Joe uh, Esposito, who was Elvis's best man, road manager. He passed a few years ago, and he told me many, many stories about Elvis. And, you know, there's the man, the myth, and there's the person that people think he is, the person he was. And then there's another aspect in that movie about, you know, Colonel Parker and things like that. But, yeah, it's, it, most people, most people know that name. All these years later. <laughs> It'd be a fun ride for sure. Oh my gosh, that would be incredible. Uh, you know, we wouldn't even need to have any music playing. Elvis could just sing to you while you're driving down the road. So, I'd I just like to sit back and let him tell me stories. I bet he would be amazed the impact he had on the world because he really, my friend, he said he really didn't think anyone would remember him or he'd be a very different, uh, you know, his career would fade. I believe he's one of, of very few people that is making more money through his music and who he was now than he made when he was alive and continues to generate massive amount of exposure in so many different ways. So, yeah, I mean, who couldn't be a superstar with the name Elvis, you know? I mean, come on. Just the name alone, but a very religious man and and, uh, just very generous Generous to a fault, I heard. Yeah, I think so. Probably why he was taken advantage of in many ways. Probably by more people than one. So you've let you've taken us on a wonderful ride today. The National Automobile Museum. It's a must-see for all of you enthusiasts out there. Before I let you go, Phil, could you share maybe some words of inspiration, a mantra, or a success quote with us? Oh wow. Okay. Well, I'll just I'll just tell you that I've kind of adopted is that uh, never take no, never give up. One thing my father told me, and I'm working on this one, but uh, be humble and don't hold grudges. <laughs> Life's too short. Yeah. And uh, live every day like it's your last, and you'll have a greater appreciation uh, for for life in general if you just remember this this is the moment. Enjoy it. Don't forget who your friends are, and uh, never take no, because don't anyone tell you you can't do anything. 
You can always do what you want. You just work hard. Great words of advice. Uh, For you listeners out there, you can find the National Automobile Museum on their website. Very easy to find. I'll put links here on Phil's show. And if you find yourself in the Reno area or make a special trip, again, you can go to their website and see some of the upcoming things that they've got coming that you can go and see and be a part of in addition to visiting the museum. This is a trip well worth your time. Phil, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to your colleague, Kathy, for putting us together today. Kathy, thank you very much. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you at the National Automobile Museum. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very, very much for having me on board. Thank you, Kathy. And one thing I forgot to mention is all the volunteers we have here at this museum and our staff, there is no way in the world we could do it without them. So thank you very much for letting us just share a little bit about this with your listeners. Absolutely. I tell you, the uh, the folks that donate their time at museums are saints because they're the ones that make it happen. We have the LeMay Museum down the road from us here, and all those volunteers are oh so important. So thank you to all of those, all those people, because you're the ones that make it enable us to come and enjoy the museum. Thanks again. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!